Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody, to Account Trends. Your host, Jason Stein, here with you uh, for our season finale and our series finale. Yes, you heard that right, folks. This is the last episode of Account Trends. But with with me, as always, my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. David Bergstein, CPA and CITP and Alphabet Soup. How are you today, sir? I'm great. Glad to be here to uh, summarize what we've accomplished and what's going to happen in the future. Looking forward uh, to our special guest today, and he is special. Yeah, we always, so we, and we've been called out on it, right, David? We, we always say we have a special guest for us today, but I'm going to tell you, folks, we have with us the most special guest who has been a back behind the scenes guest on all episodes of Account Trends, our production manager and uh, one of my favorite colleagues to work with, Mr. Luke Johnston. Luke, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Super glad you're here. So a couple of fun facts I wanted to call out. And Luke, I hope I don't embarrass you. Um, One is, I don't know if people probably don't realize this, but the song, the music that uh, plays on the bumpers of our episodes, Luke actually riffed that himself. So Luke, you had a little story about that. One day you were just playing around, right? Yeah, well, so, you know, this is actually, there's an interesting business that I'm going to end up shouting out here, but this is not a paid promotion, I assure you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have, I work with a lot of creators and um, one of the difficulties that people face when they're creating a podcast or a video is that they want to put music in their production. And you really, you know, for the longest time, really only had two choices, which was one, you could use some really bad, corny, royalty-free music, or you could try to license a big hit or something that's a little bit more well-known. Um, so rather than do either of those things, I was like, Hey, I know how to play a little bit of music. So let me just see how this turns out. And it came out pretty good. But the the company I was going to kind of shout out is called music bed. And there's a lot of these sorts of, uh, players entering the market and there's a little hole they've kind of dug out for themselves where there's a lot of great musicians out there trying to make it. Um, and they're trying to find a place to sell their music and make a living. Uh, and then there's a lot of creators that need music in their productions and, uh, they don't want to pay an arm and a leg for it. And so music bed they match those two up and you know it's a match made in heaven and so now at these if you're looking to put any kind of music in any production you're making uh you should look up music bed and uh there's lots of great creators on there so yeah shout out to them yeah what a great opportunity and what a what a great um niche to solve for because yeah it's kind of like the freelance artist right you don't have to it's always been this you go down the big record label path or you know you stay local and try to make it from a small band so creating opportunities to, to help add value for both artists as well as um, people that could take advantage of their skills. Sounds like a really mm-hmm. cool idea. Absolutely. Uh, I, and I loved it. You know, Luke, you sent me that, that clip and I, I remember listening to it thinking, where did you find this? What, this is excellent, right? I've never heard anything quite like this. And then you told me afterwards that you ripped it yourself. I was so impressed. Um, so we appreciate that. And, you know, so let's kind of get into things. You, know, this is this is a celebratory episode. 
kind of reflecting back on all the fun we've had over the last two years and um, you know, let's talk about kind of favorite moments. And and I'm, Luke, I'm dying to hear from you. At, you know, you sat here and listened to every single episode, edited, polished us, made us sound good. Uh, what were your kind of favorite moments as you were listening to all these these shows that we've recorded? Zero down to just a couple, but um, I would say. I really enjoyed learning about what tax advisory and tax planning is. Um, I, I also a little backstory about me. I, I I'm a web marketer, and I, I do. Uh, one of them is a tax planning, a tax advisory product, and you know, be, being able to sit here on this uh, show and edit and listen to all of these thought leaders and experts over the last two years has really made me more aware about what even is tax planning and how does it work and how is it different from compliance work? And I know that's really basic for some people, but for people who aren't in the industry, uh, being able to, to learn that difference, uh, it's, I think it's made me a better, better marketer. And I understand some of the people that I'm working with better when they say certain things, because I've heard it straight from the mouths of uh, the professionals and the people who know it best. Um, so I know that's not a specific moment, but that's kind of like the the biggest takeaway for me is just, I feel like I'm, a step closer. I'm not saying I'm a, a domain expert, but I, I definitely feel like I'm a lot more knowledgeable on the subject matter than I was when I started this journey two years ago. You and David, it's been a lot of fun, and I enjoy you guys' dynamic. So it's been y'all been some good hosts, and I really am uh, thankful uh, to have had the chance to work with y'all. Oh, yeah, but we appreciate that, Lou. Yeah, we're thankful that you've been in the background making us look good, but. Now it's time for me to ask you the important question based on what you just said. Would you pay for tax advisory services now that you understand what it's all about? Uh, my my wife, she's a she's a therapist. She's a W-2 employee, um, you know, and kind of had the standard withholding and all of that. Now she's gone out on her own and she's actually working with two different private practices as a contractor. And so that has made our um, tax situation a little bit more complex. And we just got into a house, we got a car. Um, so there's a lot of things that I've never had to look at before when it comes to my taxes. And um, we are looking to hire somebody to help us. And knowing what I know, I probably will ask them to provide more than just the simple compliance work and see if they offer something a little bit more robust where I can touch base with them on a more uh, frequent cadence. And um, I would not know much about that if it hadn't been for this show and for, uh, you know, all the the pros I got to hear talk about it. So. Okay. That's good to hear. I guess, Jason, we've accomplished our purpose. We've got yes. people to think about tax advisory as something different from tax compliance, but I guess even past that, we've had so many experts on with technology, uh, uh, different areas of how to grow the firm, marketing, et cetera. I think uh, you've done a great job and uh, intuit with account trends of promoting people and letting them see what the world is really like besides compliance work. Well, what I love about what Luke said too is both from the the sort of because I've been sitting in, you know, you even longer, much longer than me, but I've been sitting in the tax and accounting world for my, the entirety of my adult career, 25 years. And 
you know, there's several things that I love about what Luke said. One was the learning, right? That I learned more in the last two years from interviewing all the amazing guests that we've had on the show than, than my pretty much my entire career. Um, not that I've learned more than everything I've learned in my entire career, but the most in the smallest amount of time about things that I wasn't quite close to. But also coming from the angle of what Luke was just saying, where as a client, as a prospective client, he's got a heightened awareness. And, and it's funny because I'll get messages from you know different people that I would never expected that aren't even in our profession that caught wind of our show and, and started listening and, and talk about uh, some of the, the cool things that they've learned around this space. And not just even tax advisory, but also like advisory services in general or business acumen types of things that we've, you know, we've talked about in indirect ways. Uh, and so I, I think that's, that's the magic of, you know, bringing, bringing the best of the best minds together and picking their brains and, and sharing with everyone else what they have to, to teach us. I agree with you. It's been a continuous learning process, and that's what life is all about, to continue to learn new things. And everyone we've had on was very open and sharing their ideas and their thoughts. And we've, we've asked a couple of good questions, some bad questions. But <laughs> uh, I think we've, I, I've had a good time doing this. I've learned more about chickens besides tax advisory uh, than I really wanted to know. But uh, <laughs> you, you learn different things. You don't know what you're going to learn until you learn it. So I, I, th I thank you for having me with you. Oh, it's, it's been my honor and pleasure, David, believe me. And uh, it's funny you should mention the chickens. We just got six new babies. Uh, and we're, we're sure to have hens this time. We're just about 90% sure. But uh, yeah, we're not going to bore everybody with my chicken stories. Um, but I was thinking about like, so some of the specifics that we've, you know, gotten into, and I was just kind of looking back at the editorial calendar, you know, we had, we had a mix of various different thought leaders and real life practitioners, some of which may have been, you know, big social influencer types of some, some others, uh, you know, not really focused on that space either. Um, and just, just learning from when we think about thought leaders, you know, we're getting insights that are things that they've cultivated with working across a lot of different firms. And, and we talked to thought leaders like, for example, Mark Wickersham, who focuses on the bookkeeper audience and kind of the smaller firms. And then, you know, Gail Crosley and Alan Colton and some of those folks, Jody Grundin, who are come from the bigger firm backgrounds. And I, and then, you know, even Martin uh, Bissett from, from the UK uh, sharing how they're struggling with the same exact stuff over in uh, across the pond. And, uh, it, it's this is not a U.S. Uh, centric set of of trends that that we've been talking about from staffing to technology to tax advisory and and everything in between. We've had Sonia on the show we talked about crypto and Dr. Shines, uh, Sean Stein Smith. Uh, really cool insights there, and I can't list all the guests, obviously, especially right off the top of my head, but just incredible people that have brought really amazing insights. What What's one thing that you you learned, David, you know, in the last two years that you didn't know before? You're asking me what I didn't know before. I forgot what I don't know before. Uh, 
Plus, you already knew everything, right? <laughs> I, you never know everything, but it's like I said, it's continuous learning, and you keep hearing your ideas. And most of these ideas, in all truthfulness, I've heard, but there's always a different spin for it. So I'm continue, you know, I'm continually learning different things about different opportunities. I guess the big thing I learned was when Jody Gruden was on. I think it was Jody. No, it was uh, Kenji Kuramoto when he talked about what's a B company. Uh, and that's something that's brand new that I didn't know anything about. B companies uh, certifying that a company is ESG, uh, you know, going forward, helping the environment, helping uh, governance, diversity, et cetera. I thought that was pretty exciting. And it's not a CPA firm doing it. It's an outside company saying, hey, these are all good companies. So that was something I didn't know before. Actually, I think one of my favorite guests was somebody named Boris. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he's the, your intuitive person because he was born what on April fifteenth. That's right, Boris Schmuckler. You know, and 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 it stuck with me. You know, Roman Kepchak on technology, Randy on technology, Randy Johnson on technology. Yep. You know, these are all you know cool things. You know, so you learn a few things here and there. You learn uh, the world is changing. You learn younger people have the same ideas as the older people, but just they're implementing them differently. But I did learn more about work-life balance. And that's why we're all doing this remotely. Because uh, we all like to stay at home sometime and work and find ourselves more productive. You know, it's interesting how much work-life balance kind of surfaced in our various conversations, both from a, a problem of, you know, what we've been calling the great resignation of staffing crisis. I don't know if we're, we're using those terms anymore per se, but... You know, it's still it's still a growing problem, right? As CPAs are leaving the industry, and we're not getting enough coming in to supplements. We've got to think about the work differently, and that becomes a forcing function for firms. But then there's also that opportunity aspect that I think gets lost in the the discussions around the problem, which is we can, you know, and and Jody was a good example of this when he was he was doing you know advisory and work life balance stuff before it was cool. You know, Hawaiian shirt guy, you know, <laughs> uh, doesn't doesn't want to be like that traditional firm and started out that way, built a very successful firm as a result and, and then ended up selling to, you know, a top, I think it was a top 100, top 100 top firm. Two, yeah, Andrew, Andrew. Top 100. yeah, that's right. Uh, and loves it over there. And he's now helping them, you know, take take what he did with his firm and and bring it out to, you know, a larger firm. That's a really hard thing to do because. These firms have been around a very long time, operating very successfully on business models that haven't needed to change for a very long time. And I think that that's probably my biggest learning is peeling back the layers. You hear about staffing crisis, right? You hear about you know the problems, but but when you start peeling back the layers on those, those problems are really complex and they're not easily solved. The bigger the firm, the harder it is to solve because they got so many processes in place you can't take them apart and change what you've done in the past to move forward that's that's why we have luke here luke's the future now what do you see luke as the future of marketing since you're in the marketing you know we've done salesmanship we've done more different types of marketing. what do you see in the future is marketing going to be driven by digital solutions and ai Absolutely. And, you know, it really already is being uh, driven by 
digital solutions and AI. You know, um, I, I was talking to my sister who's in uh, college right now, and she was talking about how some of her professors teach these marketing courses, and then there's a separate digital marketing course. And I was telling her, you know, you need you need to go talk to the, your professors and say like. 2023 like there's no such thing as non-digital marketing at this point i mean everything can be measured for the most part unless you're talking about uh maybe maybe a billboard but even then there's there's ways you can you can measure that um and ai is also infiltrating everything that we're doing in marketing i mean even you know with my team we just had a big share out about how we can incorporate ai into our day-to-day tasks that are you know repetitive and tedious with whether it's writing marketing copy or um even i I use it to write some code so i'm a web marketer uh from in my regular day job and and i i use it to write code you know i'll give it a set of very detailed instructions for they write me some javascript that does x y and z um and then it'll spit it out you iterate on it and this obviously this is a chat gpt style uh ai model a large language model, but uh, there's other types of AI that are being applied everywhere as well. And um, company, large companies are talking talking about training their own models trained on their internal pr- proprietary data, their, their own customer data, so that you know you can essentially have a customer support representative that is trained all completely on your own data or on transcripts of phone calls and, and things like that. So, uh, I mean, I feel like the better question is, where is it not, where is it not infiltrating marketing? I agree with that. Or or business in general, right? Yeah, that leaves me with the thought. Are the three of us here real or are we fake, driven by AI? You know, am I really talking? <laughs> or is this a fake model of me talking? You'll never know. Simulation, David. <laughs> Welcome to the Matrix. Yes. So what are some of the other things, David, that you know have been kind of standout topics? We we talked about seven. You know what else stands out for me? There's been that sort of this back and forth on um, how firms think about niche uh, practices. Because we know at Intuit from our studies that leading firms that are successful in implementing these higher values, you know, advisory services and tax advisory services, switching to subscription-based models, uh, centering around niches is a common theme for those that end up being leading firms versus generalist firms that kind of take just about any client that'll walk in the door. What are your thoughts on and reflections on what we've learned there? Well, I think, and actually I did a presentation yesterday, actually in Dallas, Texas, uh, to a group, and we were talking about that. You know, I think firms, you have to specialize. You can't be a generalist anymore. You got to be an expert on something. So as you become an expert, you specialize with the niche so you know everything about it. And more and more boutique firms are going to be there to go into a niche, whether it be professional services, state and local taxes, real estate, not profit. You develop a market, you develop a following. So it's easier to be a specialist than a generalist because you have to call in the specialist to help people. So I agree. I think it's going to we're going to see a lot more niche firms, and especially what we see now. As and this came up the other day also. As private equity has come into the picture, CPA firms are becoming professional service firms and audit is being pushed to a separate side. So professional service says you can do anything. You can specialize in anything. I don't know. Do you agree with that or not? No, I think you're I think you're dead on. I think private equity comes comes into a different conversation. I want to come back around to that because I, I feel like there's more to learn there, too, and more to yet be revealed. Um, but there's been some interesting developments there. But just kind of closing out on the niche thing or the niche thing, as we and Jason Bloomer were joking about, right? 
Um, the, the thing I always tell people though, is don't, don't pick one niche and focus exclusively on that. Right. And boutique booms, they're starting with one, but then, you know, you need to make sure you're, you're expanding into ancillary niches, but keeping that niche focus because it's about getting deep into the type of businesses that you're working with and understanding them to a level that you can help them by through advice and, and consultation uh, that is meaningful, right? And and we had a conversation with Jeannie Whitehouse about this in a recent episode where, you know, she kind of, she makes a, a, a controversial statement, you know, to people, you don't have to know, understand your, your people's firm, but, but coming through the lens of, or you don't have to understand your, your, their, their business, you, but you, you're coming through the lens of, you know, Jeannie focus, you know, having a winery uh, niche type of industry that she focuses on. And I'm not saying she's, she's incorrect in her statement, but I think what's important to clarify in that is you don't have to know your client's business inside and out. That's their job. That's what they do. You have to know how to draw out of them where the problems are, what their goals are, and and then take your knowledge of working with other similar types of businesses and help them get to those next levels and achieve those goals and dreams. And that's sort of the spirit of of all that, right? Yeah, and you have to ask the right questions to get them to realize there's another way of doing something. They know their business, and when you hit the right question, all of a sudden maybe the process changes. So I think Jeannie is always pointing out, be a good questioner, ask the right questions, stimulate the right information. So I totally agree with you there. Yeah, precisely. Uh, but 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 at the same time, the inherent value of centering around niches gives you a little bit more context to help you formulate the right questions to get the information to help the client. Totally agree. So let's come back to the private equity thing because I think that's really interesting. Say more about there. There's been some developments too. I remember over the summer uh, there was a big merger that happened among one of the top 100 firms and a consulting firm, right? Well, wealth planning firm, creative planning. planning, took over, Ber- uh, I forget the name of the firm, Bergen, something or other. But this, defer- this is a large non-accounting firm by an accounting firm. And why is it doing that? Well, wealth management, uh, th- that's the growing area in a lot of CPA firms because you're managing money. And uh, it's opening up a lot of opportunities. You take a big accounting firm with a lot of clients and you put them on the wealth management side, you know, and I'll use the right word here, sell them whatever you want to sell them. You're not selling them audit services. You're selling them advisory services. And what's advisory services? Anything the client has a need for. It could be financial. It could be non-financial. So wealth management opens up a whole different area there. So uh, I think that's what we're going to continue to see. Firms coming together of like kind and non-like kind. But I'm a big believer now that uh, the CPA market, and I always say, hey, you're a CPA, that, that opens up a lot of opportunities. But the reason you become a CPA firm is to do the attest function. And the attest function is somewhat, in my belief, going to separate out. And you're going to have accounting firms with CPAs doing a lot more non-attest work because that's where the money seems to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to continue to grow. Yeah, that's a cool point. And then what what about the the private equity piece, right? So 
We heard a little bit that about that from a few guests. I think Dan Hood, we talked about it with, um, definitely talked about it with Alan Colton. What's your, what's your take on, you know, and it's been a minute since we visited that topic. I haven't heard a lot of development in that space. And I've heard some, some interesting, um, not polarizing uh, perspectives, but sort of points on either side of whether that's good or bad for our profession. <laughs> what have well, you been hearing? I'm hearing it's continuing to go on, but, you know, we've heard a lot about the big ones, but now it's working its way down uh, into midsize and smaller firms. So whether you call it private equity or investment or even a restructure, look at BDO. BDO changed from a partnership model to a corporate model and now was borrowing millions of dollars to do employee stock option plans, changing the model. I, I'm just a believer that there's a lot of opportunity for non-CPA firms. And we see that, you see that in the Intuit market space uh, between CPA firms and non-CPA firms. Because a non-CPA firm can do everything except the attest function. And that's a lot of advisory services on a lot of different things. But the private equity, they want to get the return on their investment in five to seven years. So we truly will see what happens over that period of time. Yeah. Well, and I love the BDO example. I actually wasn't aware of that. Um, the but the, it's a completely different way of doing business, right? And a completely different way. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a forcing function that will will cause firms to really think about how the work gets done differently, how they're structured internally, uh, and and then that will trickle to technology and you know talent and skills and services and and you know ultimately client relationships and. That's that's going to look vastly different as we see those firms operating in that function versus the traditional partner model, which we've kind of been centered around for many years. Right. Well, well, time time will tell the changes. You know, speaking of podcasts, you know, uh, I listen a lot to uh, the accounting podcast. You know, to Blake Oliver and David Leary. Yeah. They say they you know they, they're pushing for a lot of changes in accounting firms and changing the model. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, they're looking for things to change. I'm always seeing new, fresh ideas coming out of Blake's uh, LinkedIn posts and, uh, you know, the the shows that they're doing. Um, you know, those two guys are really, I think, I would I would call them healthy pushers, right? Like, they they push us all to think differently, to look critically at the problems and, you know, think creatively about how to solve them. And in ways that we may not have considered before, or maybe have been taboo in the past, even to to talk about. And I think that's healthy and important uh, as we move forward. And I hope that that Blake and and David and and others like them keep doing that um, because well, think, we need those challenges if we're gonna we're gonna be successful in the future in this profession. I agree. You got to think out of the box. You know, speaking of other guests, like we had Randy Crabtree on. You mentioned Dad Hood. They all have their podcasts. Randy Crabtree does a lot. He, he considers himself the unique CPA. So, you know, there's lots of people to listen to yeah, uh, to get ideas. The whole purpose of what we were trying to do, I think, was to stimulate ideas and help people understand there's lots of opportunities out there in the accounting space. You just have to take advantage of them, write a plan, execute the plan, and then, then hire Luke to do marketing and get it done. <laughs> you can't have Luke. He's ours, David. But, okay. <laughs> but, but speaking of Luke, we've been kind of chattering on for a while. What are your, what are your reflections on some of the stuff we've talked about? 
Uh, I mean, besides y'all covered a lot with the technology, that's one of the subjects that's inter- interested me the most. Um, also, I would I would say the the learning about the different pricing models, which you both already touched on as well. And um, you know, I, I have an uncle who's an attorney, and there's actually a lot of the same kind of trends there. Of like they've moved away from the hourly billing, and uh, they're on value pricing, and then even the ones that are even more forward thinking are trying to figure out how to put together subscription models. And so, um, learning about some of those different um, business models, and then also uh, how how to obviously with my marketing mind, like how to sell this new approach of advisory services to the pros is something that I think is really interesting as well. And um, I see a lot of potential for, um, you know, other, I've seen it, you know, in my job, but other pros coming alongside other pros and saying, Hey, here's a, here's a a method that works for actually marketing yourself and marketing these services. Cause it's a new thing that they've never had to figure out how to sell before. Um, And I, you know, if, if we were going to keep on doing the show, I'd love to see if there are more people we could talk to about, um, you know, marketing and how to put, how to position yourself to sell these new services, but um, maybe Blake or somebody else can can do some more on that. Yeah, I'm sure they're planning on it. And yeah, I would have loved to like you know we had uh, Randy Hughes and Don Brolin and some other you know real practitioners that were uh, actually implementing this stuff. And I think I think too what's interesting about what you said, Luke, is you know these. These leading firms that we keep talking about that are doing these and implementing these subscription models, we should keep watching them. We should keep learning from them, right? I would encourage all of our listeners, keep keep going down the road of what these the best practices are of the firms that are really doing this successfully. Don Brown will tell you, I mean, she she, you know, started focusing less on you know, her general's firm and really leaning into this over the last year. And now she's signing clients to the tune of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year versus, you know, a 500 to $1,000 tax return. Um, and so it's, it's real. People are doing it. But the big thing is, don't feel like you have to have all of that lined up and you've got to completely transform your firm to just start somewhere. And you'll get different pieces of advice from people, you know, start with your start with your least favorite client so that if you upset them and they leave, who cares? <laughs> and then I like to give the advice to people, you know, start with your, you, we've all got, I know every, just about every firm has kind of a, a small group of clients that were maybe with them from the beginning, or they've developed a really close relationship with, that they can trust with kind of being a little bit messy and, and go to them and just say, hey. I'm trying to kind of move my firm forward in some new different ways that that are aligned with how the profession is transforming. Can I use you as a guinea pig, you know, for for some of this stuff and and practice pitching, you know, subscription-based models to them, practice uh, packaging services and getting their feedback on what those packages look like, the good, better, best model, right? Um, And practice doing tax advisory with them and actually implementing those strategies. Having those, you know, monthly or quarterly meetings where you're holding them accountable and you're helping push them along. Start somewhere, I think, is the big thing. All the other stuff we talked about is awesome. You should keep learning about it. You should keep trying, keep moving in that direction, but don't let it don't let it be a a, a barrier to, to getting started. Absolutely. And, and who knows? We may be back to talk more about this in the future. 
You never know what's going to happen. Or maybe when you start your own podcast, you'll have me on, a, on the, as a guest on your show. Maybe. What are your plans now, David? Everybody wants to know. Uh, you'll have to look at my LinkedIn and uh, follow it because I may go LinkedIn live and that's sort of like a podcast, but we'll keep it a secret. But I'm working my way to more pickleball. And then again, I've got a couple of conferences coming up. I know we got the uh, QuickBooks Connect. We got the digital CPA. So coming up at the end of the year. So those will be to see what's going to happen in the future. It's been a pleasure working with both of you. Uh, even though we uh, hardly ever see Luke, he's always there telling us to adjust our microphones and <laughs> fix our pictures. So, you know, I've learned a lot from you, Luke, about equipment and how sensitive it is. And I've learned some marketing ideas from you. So I appreciate you helping me out. And uh, Jason, you know, I hope to continue seeing you in the future. And, you know, I appreciate the audience that's been listening to us. We couldn't have done this if we didn't have an audience. And I know, Luke, you kept track of that and we kept growing as an audience. So it's been a pleasure. 15,000 downloads to date. Uh, and, and Luke, I appreciate your little tidbits uh, as you've kind of been listening to podcasts on your own and learning from that. And then having David and I adjust our style and approaches to keep things interesting and stuff. So just been an invaluable resource uh, to help us with just making the show better and better each time. We actually are closer to 20,000 streams. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll maybe we'll hit the 20,000 as a celebration of our final se season finale. That'd be uh, great. David, I mean, we're I this is not goodbye, by the way. Like, well, I'm not going anywhere and I'm going to be staying in touch with you. This was just nice, a nice easy way to make sure that happened, but uh, I hope to to see you again very soon and continue our conversations. We always have really rich, thoughtful discussions about what's happening in the profession, and you're always you've always got such a good pulse on things. So um, I'm I don't intend to stop learning from you or any of the amazing people that I've gotten the uh, incredible opportunity to meet and have on the show uh, that we've talked about throughout this episode and and many more that we didn't mention. And so for those of you that, that are listening that were guests on previous shows, sorry if we didn't mention your name, but that doesn't make you any less valuable. Um, we Every single episode I've been extremely proud of. So with that, everyone, uh, we thank you for listening and tuning in. Uh, we hope that you have gained as much as we have from this. Uh, we thank you for everything that you do for the profession and for your clients, and helping power prosperity around the world. So thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.